welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm your host, Barbara Fisher. Tonight I'm speaking with Michael M. Hughes. He's an author and a magician, and he started a magical community slash activist group that was very successful for several years and is seems to be gearing back up. So good evening. How are you? Hey, I'm great. I'm very happy to be back here again. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a, it's been a, a little bit. Um, I had a uh, a listener after hearing one of the latest episodes say, "Hey, um, you guys never really went over this in the in the podcast, but could you explain to to us like what's the difference between?" ceremonial magic and ritual magic or are they the same and and then there's like somebody said something about western magical ceremonial tradition and then there's chaos magic and witchcraft and and are these all the same just different name i mean really and i was like okay i know who i'm going to call i said (laughs) i'm not gonna write you a a treatise on it (laughs) i'm gonna have an episode about it so here you are I figured you were the best person to call. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I've been fascinated by magic for a very long time. I've practiced pretty much all of those <laughs> that you that you just mentioned. So uh, happy to unload uh, whatever's in my head and help help out your listener. I'm sure there are other listeners who have the same exact question. Um that's usually how it happens. You know, I have a, a few people who write regularly and they'll ask questions. And then, you know, after I do that episode, then somebody else will write in and go, oh, I, I, I was wondering. Thank you. I was wondering about that. So let's where do you want to start? Do you want to start with what magic is? Wow. And yeah. Then hmm. Start corralling the different terminology. Sure. Sure. Um I I think a lot of people uh, right off the bat just say magic. Oh, witchcraft! Um, it's mm-hmm. just ma- witchcraft has just become so synonymous mm-hmm. that even though I consider myself a magician, when people found out I was doing magic, like oh, you're a witch, and I you know so I I've spent a lot of time like explaining why magic is not just witchcraft. I mean, witchcraft is certainly magic, but um, you know, I and I understand that it's because witchcraft is so popular now. Yeah, it's um, ubiquitous. It's just at this point. everywhere. In, and you know, Harry Potter had a lot to do with that, I'm sure. So a lot of people that grew up with Harry Potter, witchcraft is just it comes to them naturally when the, when they when they think of when they think of uh, doing magic. Um, but I magic people have always done magic. That's that's what I like everyone to sort of understand when I talk about magic is that, you know, probably the first proto-human who took a stick and made a circle in the mud with a stick and stood inside the circle. And certainly the, the, in the Neolithic era when people were, you know, when we have like cave paintings and things like that, that I, really, I believe, was probably magic, too, and most anthropologists would agree because, you know, these people were crawling into these caves, you know, really deep into these caves with 
torches or whatever they were using for fire and making these paintings on the wall that would move you know mm-hmm. when the light when the light flickered and and you can see now i think uh the film uh cave of forgotten dreams uh is so good in that respect showing what what it looked what it probably looked like to these folks when they're you know they're deep in this cave they might might have been on some kind of psychotropic plant or something yeah. and they're just looking at these animals and things that they've they've painted on the cave on the you know bit painted on the texture of the cave and the flickering of the light and things like that. And um, I, I I went into a cave in um, in Belize uh, called Octun Tunichio Muknal that I first read about in National Geographic. And I was like, oh, my God, I want to go to this cave because you kind of have to swim into it. And there's a, skeletons and bones and, you know, everything – that I love <laughs> in this cave. And one of the, one of the things I remember the guy uh, that took us in the cave showed us is when you, when light, of course we used a flashlight, but if someone had had a torch and these were, these were people being led into this cave to be sacrificed. So you got to imagine what they were thinking mm, yeah. as they're knowing they're coming to their end. But one of the stalactites had been sort of carved so it looked like a face. The shadow it projected looked like a face. So that's a tangent. But people have been doing magic since people existed. We're wired to think magically, to be magical thinkers. We're wired for rituals. It's it's evolutionarily constructed as, as part of who we are. And I think that's because it works. Um, rituals do work. There's I, I just got to someone... Some guy hopped on my YouTube comments like, "His magic is ridiculous. You should, you should be talking science." And I said, "Well, hold on, man. Like, science is validating that rituals work. There's so much research now that shows that, like, if you're a basketball player and you're getting ready to make your free throws, and you have a little ritual that you follow, you will perform better. Or if you're a golfer, mm-hmm. or if you're going to take a test and you do some sort of ritual." Before taking the test, you do better. So rituals work. Um, you know they may not be the way they work in movies and fantasy, but you know, hey, this is real life, and in real life, rituals work. So, so there's a reason that we do magic. There's a reason that we do rituals. But and every culture has had it. I mean, you know, we it's the oldest. The oldest sort of documentation that we have in various cultures, you know, like maybe the Egyptians, Chaldeans, Babylonians, Assyrians, and Mesopotamia, they all, magic was part of their lives. Magic was part of their religions, their spiritual practices. And we have, you know, we have abundant evidence of this. So people have always done magic. That's it's who we are. It's wired into us. So, and part of what what drove me to, well, I guess I mean I first got introduced to magic as Wicca. Um, mm-hmm. I went to a New Age bookstore because I was into weird stuff all my life. You know, even as a kid, that's I was just drawn to the strange and the paranormal and all that stuff. But it was the 70s. So there was a lot of that going around. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but when I got a little bit older in my teens, early 20s, I, I would go to this really awesome 
bookstore called the Turning Wheel Bookstore, and it was a pagan bookstore. So they had all kinds of witchcraft books, and a woman there um, read my tarot cards. And I'd already been into tarot cards. I got my first deck when I was 11. But this was the first time I had a professional read my cards. So she she read my cards. She's like, you're, you know, you're really into this stuff, aren't you? And I said, yeah. And she went, she bought me a, bu- a book. She bought me a copy of Scott Cunningham's Wicca, A Guide for the Solitary Practitioner. It had mm-hmm. this like dude in this robe on the front. It was real, you know, pastel-y, 70s looking cover. I still have the book. It still smells like the patchouli I, sm- I spilled on it <laughs> at some point. Um, Scott would appreciate that. <laughs> Scott would appreciate that, yeah. So so that's that was my first taste of like you know, a a real magical practice. Um, And that's so for, you know, I called myself a Wiccan for a while. I was, I was really into it. Um, But even as a kid, like I would make up little rituals for myself. I was, I grew up Catholic. So rituals were, you know, every Sunday, there are all kinds of rituals going on, turning a piece of bread into this guy's flesh and wine into blood and all that stuff, which, you know, when I think about it now, like that's 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 some pretty crazy stuff. Um, but it was just normal. That that's that's just the way the world worked every Sunday. So, and I always loved the candles. I loved the incense. I think a lot of people that get into magic, <laughs> a lot of them come from from Catholic uh, backgrounds because they they just miss that. They might have given up on the religion itself, but they really miss all that theater and all that fun stuff. So I was all, but even as a little kid, I used to do little rituals and I'd make drawings to try to make things happen. Just, I feel like my brain has always said, magic is fun. Go ahead, go ahead and do it. Um, but, but the, the witchcraft stuff I, I first, um, got into and, was really into it, you know, I was reading about like goddess spirituality, I had all these goddess figurines, and I'd go stand on the roof of my apartment in Baltimore during the eclipse and chant to the goddess and all that sort of stuff. And, uh, um, but for some reason I started, it, it didn't really stick. And I think part of the reason was I started reading more about the history of witchcraft, and I started you know, all that stuff that Scott Cunningham had been talking about, all that goddess, you know, this Neolithic matriarchal cult that survived and through the, excuse me, through the, this matriarchal cult that survived through the modern day and the witches that were burned were practitioners of the the old religion, old time religion, all that kind of thing. I started realizing that there was... That was not actually an accurate depiction of how things happened. Yeah. And I started reading, you know, about Gerald Gardner and and then I realized like, wait a minute, you know, witchcraft is kind of new. It's like a new religious movement. That's what academics called it. So that didn't invalidate it to me. I think it's a I know so many witches. I respect the tradition things, but it just made me feel sort of hoodwinked by that bogus history, and I was like, eh, maybe I'll stop doing this for a while. And about that time, I discovered chaos magic, because it's the early days of the internet, Mm -hmm. and going on these, like, 
text-only bulletin boards, and I was on CompuServe for the ancient folks out there that remember that oh, stuff. Yes. And <laughs> was, the old, you ways. know, and you <laughs> right the old yes. Back to the, speaking of the old ways, yeah. And there were there were new email newsletters and things like that. But really, the the primary focus was Usenet, and there were groups called like Alt dot Magic, Alt dot Occult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these were fascinating. This is where you found this material. It wasn't anywhere else. You couldn't you couldn't find a lot of this material. And chaos magic, which had kind of originated in the 1970s, really found a home online. And that was where I first discovered magical sigils. And that's when I really felt like when back when I was doing my witchcraft stuff, I wasn't really doing spells to make things happen. It was more of like a religious, spiritual practice. But when I started using sigils to actually sort of get somewhere to make something happen, to make, to shape the outer world, not just my inner experience. That's when my mind was like totally blown. The first time I, I did made a sigil and it worked. That's when I'm like, oh man, okay, this stuff is real. Um, there's, it's not just venerating the goddess. This is like, this is like thinking about something that I want and making a sigil and then getting that thing. Yeah. So that 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 was that was a big turning point. For for me, um, was that the, in in chaos magic? It just felt more sort of liberating. It wasn't really tied to any particular system. It was very DIY. It was very punk, and that mm-hmm. that was kind of that was kind of my ethos at the time. Um, so that's that was like when the light bulb went off. That's when the the head exploding gif uh you know manifested <laughs> and that 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 was really a turning point that's when I'm like okay I'm going to I'm going to do this I'd also been very into magic magic like magic tricks when I was a kid I found a book called the handbook of mental magic and it was all about um psychic magic it was like doing tricks that look like mind reading doing tricks that look like uh, psychokinesis, making things move. Um, but there was also a lot of hypnosis in it. There was also a lot of like memory techniques. It was just an incredible book. And, and a lot of magicians and mentalists, like professionals, hated that this book was out on the popular market because it exposed so many so many of these secrets and they were like this is written for a popular audience how dare he do this it was lucky for me that i found it and i was like hypnotizing people when i was like 12 and 13 and and just freaking myself out that it actually worked yeah and uh so i so at the same time like i was i had developed this interest in psychic magic um which I then pursued later in life too. I got back into it and I was performing professionally for a while. But even when I was doing that kind of magic, I always felt like I was kind of teetering on the real thing. Like some of that material was so close to being real that 
it was exciting and thrilling to be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, 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 you know, whatever form magic existed, I was just drawn to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, okay. So we, it, we were, we were very similar. Um, because, uh, I tried really, really hard to be Christian. Um, and even when I was kind of giving up on being a Christian as a kid, because every time I had questions, (laughs) (laughs) nobody could answer them very well. Um, Mm -hmm. and you know, the whole idea, well, if this is the only way to go to heaven, if this is the only way for salvation, why did God wait so long to send Jesus along, and and why did he send him to this little tiny place? <laughs> what about the people who died before they heard God's word, right? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, uh, I'm like, so God just let all those people go to hell, right? Well, but no, they're... And I'm like, so you're telling me that he grandfathered those people in. So then there's not one way. There's two ways. <laughs> yeah, I know. I yeah, was a they, rules lawyer as a child. <laughs> I and was going to say, yeah, <laughs> they hate they hate smart kids with, with smart questions. Yes, that, that's they don't sure. like it. They don't like it. <laughs> I, I am happy to know that um, I... I I was thrown out of of uh, summer Bible school because of those questions because it it upset the kids, you know, who were just like, okay, Noah's Ark, yeah, we're gonna make Noah's Ark out of macaroni, and we're gonna do the thing, and, and I'm sitting there going, that's not how that works, you know. Th- there's no way you could put all of the that must just be a mythic thing. They're just, it's just a story to kind of show us. You know, and of course, I had read about all of the flood stories and different ancient civilizations, and I was mm-hmm. like, so this is like the way the people in Israel answered those questions. So, you know, but but there really <laughs> wasn't a dude like with all the animals that on earth because that's too many animals, <laughs> exactly. and if it was the whole world, then. There's still way too many animals, you know. <laughs> I'm like, I watch Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom Wild every King, week. Marlon and that's Perkins, too, that's there right. There are too many animals that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. um, so, in in the meantime, while all this was going on, I would do rituals to Artemis in the woods. Nice. And I, you know. D- did rituals to Athena, you know, in the school library. Uh, that was, I mean, I wasn't lighting <laughs> candles or anything. That would have gotten me way into trouble. But, you know, I would make a, like a circle and, you know, put owls around it and all nice. of these things. And, and, yeah. And I did get caught by the middle school librarian, but she was really <laughs> awesome and, and just was like, I won't tell anybody. And... She had this one corner that was the witchcraft corner. And she started buying extra new books, you know, and putting them over there. It still had Margaret Murray. I'm that old. Uh So Uh Margaret Murray and uh, the Golden Bough, Frasier. Oh, yeah, Frasier, yep. And, of course, the White Goddess, 
by graves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so... Gotta love librarians. Man. I know she she was Goddess giving me all the them. <laughs> yeah all of the all of the good stuff. So you know I don't know why anybody in my family was ever surprised when you know it turned out I was I was I consecrated myself to the moon goddess at fifteen <laughs> and became a witch. I don't know why they were acting like this was a big thing because I'd been bringing those books into the house been reading all this stuff been mm -hmm. you know asking all of those questions at church until finally i just stopped going because nobody was giving me good answers <laughs> so yeah good for you i mean and, and, yeah. and again, good for the librarian too too she was she was amazing she she was a survivor of the camps wow oh, she was wow. a survivor of Ah, uh, what's the name? Treblinka. Oh I'm pretty God. sure it was Treblinka, but she showed me. She had a bracelet she wore all the time, and she took it off to show me the the mm. tattoo of the numbers. Wow. And uh, so not only did I, you know, learn lots of witchcraft stuff from her, I also started studying Holocaust um, mm -hmm. narratives mm -hmm. early. Mm -hmm. Like, this is middle mm -hmm. school. And I am very grateful to her for that because, yeah, yeah it, it made it made a lot of stuff make more sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, I, I <laughs> am glad that she did not take offense at the way a lot of the modern people would say things about the burning times mm -hmm. that, oh, nine million witches mm -hmm. burned mm -hmm. and, you know, only six million Jews died. It's like, it's not oh. a freaking contest. You don't win right. a prize for this, y'all. <laughs> right. You know, it's like, oh. this isn't a, I'm more persecuted than you. <laughs> this is a, everybody who gets persecuted, it sucks. That's yeah. what it is. And, and then, of course, I started reading closer to the history um, by the mm -hmm. time I was in college, and I was like, first off, definitely it was not nine million. There was a guy mm -hmm. in the 19th century who came up with that number, mm -hmm. and he just he just pulled it he out of the air, boom. He just mm -hmm. grabbed it and said, well, nine million people were burned. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, of course, y you come across, well, in England, they didn't really burn witches they hanged them because mm -hmm. it was a civil offense and and in other places in europe they'd hang them but the burning was specifically for heresy and it didn't really start taking off in the crazy until the reformation and the counter-reformation mm -hmm. when catholics and protestants were chasing each other around and and of course, the poor Jewish people who were stuck in in the middle of that, they would often get you know dragged off, and you know because of course, if you're Jewish, you're obviously a heretic. So all of that, and I just kind of was like, huh, huh, <laughs> hmm. Mm -hmm. So while I still consider myself a witch, I started doing a lot of magic that was just magic. Mm -hmm. Not for 
uh, it wasn't theurgy. I wasn't praising mm-hmm. the goddess. I wasn't mm-hmm. worshiping the goddess. I was talking to the universe in essence and using my own energy to change things, to make a difference in the outer world mm-hmm. and making a difference inside myself too. That's mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. a really good way to make changes in the world. If you change yourself, you are changing the world in a not insignificant way. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so that's one of the things that I, I really want to get across to people is that magic is a practice. It is, but it, there's so many ways that it's done. Mm-hmm. And it really has to kind of be a way that you can groove with. Yep. You know, if you need the smells and bells, go for the smells and bells. Mm-hmm. If you're an ecstatic sort of person, dance around in a circle and cast that energy towards whatever it is that you want to do. Mm-hmm. Or if you're a chaos magician, you know, F around and find out, see if it works, <laughs> which is kind of what I do at this point. It's like, well, yeah. maybe that'll work. That's, I, I think a lot of people come to that. I think that's a natural evolution. And um, I mean, back to your original question, I guess. I don't want to let leave the, leave the question sort of hanging there. Like ceremonial magic grimoire magic um it's it's just more complex mm-hmm. i think is a, is a good way to put it uh, a lot of it arose uh in the middle ages the renaissance uh and it's a lot of this was magic done by like monks and priests yeah. <laughs> on the on the sly yeah because they were the ones that first of all had books um they were the ones that could read <laughs> yeah so so a lot of the magic is very that that's why it's funny you know a lot of people are freaked out by ceremonial ritual magic from from that time period because there are all those woodcuts of like demons sprouting up in the circle and things like that but what what a lot of the, them don't realize is it all comes from through a very Christian perspective. Yep. And if you read most of the grimoires that are still around, they're very. I mean, you're calling upon God and Jesus. Oh yeah. And the saints, and it's all very structured mm-hmm. in a way that reflects the thinking of the time, which was that. It was Christian Europe. So, there, you know, during the Renaissance, when a lot of, uh, a lot of classical era manuscripts kind of were, were circulating again, people, people were looking at, like, the teachings of Hermes Trismegistus and looking at pagan... Uh, mythology and things like that. So a lot of that was sort of creeping in, as and you could see it everywhere in the art of the time, obviously. But even though that stuff was creeping in, it wasn't pagan magic that was still being done. It was still very much 
Christian magic, except for maybe in some folk traditions and things like that, which, you know, never, never really die out. No, they just change with the times. They, they just, they just change. So Sarah, that ceremonial magic, it, it was magic of people that could afford books, people that could read, people that could afford making little talismans out of precious metals and yeah. that sort of thing. And even today, so uh, just to kind of tie my own story into it, I, after I was using chaos magic, I said, I'm, I'm going to go deep into ceremonial magic, ritual magic. So the easiest entryway for most people and the way most people find it is through the Golden Dawn system, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. So that's, I jumped in like head first into Golden Dawn magic, got the big Israel Regardi's giant I was gonna say that big door book. stopper of a book. And I got Don Craig's Modern Magic course. And so I was just, I was grabbing everything I could possibly find about the Golden Dawn. I was doing the full sort of curriculum, going, was doing multiple rituals a day at one point. I think my wife was getting a little worried about me because I was spending so much time in the basement burning incense. I was going to say, were you in the basement? <laughs> yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Everybody we're all, does it in the basement. We're all chthonic, right? Yeah. Um, yep. and, and so I was, I was into it. At the same time, I became a Freemason. So for the first time, like even when I was practicing witchcraft, I didn't do it with other people. I wasn't in right. a co- I wasn't in a coven or any kind of group. So even though Freemasonry is just completely devoid of magic um nowadays there might have been some there might it might have been a little more uh I don't know. It, 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 there might have been a little more depth to it in the past, you know, like and when it came above ground in 1717 and and later on when it when it really started spreading. And um but nowadays it's just a bunch of old guys reading rituals out of books and it just lacks oh all, yeah. lacks all power, lacks all potency. However, that said, the three degrees uh, the rituals of the, of the the Blue Lodge Freemasonry is still pretty freaking powerful. Like when you're led into a lodge blindfolded and led around circumambulating in the lodge and there's all these noises and it's in this archaic language. And then, you know, these degrees progressively, you can it's not really secret anymore. All the secrets are out, so I'm not giving anything away. But it's generally like a, re- a profound rebirth ritual. Mm-hmm. And that, that third degree, there's a moment where like the blindfold comes off. And I remember looking at the officers in the lodge and, and looking and just saying, you know, man, like f- people have been doing this for s- this exact ritual for mm-hmm. so long. It really sparked my interest in rituals. Like this is this is amazing, you know. This is powerful. This is transformative. So at the same time, I was really, really digging into the Golden Dawn system and working my way through, you know, kind of the structure 
of of the Golden Dawn and thinking like this is it. It also tied into tarot, which which I loved. So it was expanding my understanding of tarot. It was based in the Kabbalah. So I really started studying the Kabbalah. And I mean, all these pieces are just tying together. I'm like, this is it. This is the answer. This is my life's path. I'll be doing this. And then um, I had a really fortunate meeting at a Masonic research event. I happened to be sitting next to a rabbi and he gave a talk. And I started telling him about the Golden Dawn. That was because you know, it was a bunch of esoteric sort of Freemasons. Oh, That's, yeah. Those are the guys I hung out with, were the guys into the esoteric stuff. And he said, Well, that's not, that's not Kabbalah. And I said, What do you mean? I said, The, the whole Golden Dawn is based, mm-hmm. the tree of life. And, yeah. you know, the Sephirot, the, the tarot cards are mapped to it and all this stuff. Like, what are you talking about? He said, No, no, no. He's like, that's Christianized Kabbalah. Yeah. Like that's that's what some Christian guys glommed onto and ran with. And and I just remember like feeling the life drain out of me. I'm like, I've been are you telling me that all I've I've been so immersed in this stuff and you're telling me it's not even really Kabbalah. He's like, no. If you want to learn Kabbalah, like go study with a rabbi. The teaches yeah. this stuff. He's like, this is a real living tradition that's handed down that is based in our tradition, but it's taken by people who went and made it their own sort of thing. Yeah. So that was a bit of a eureka moment. And I I remember like looking at all my Golden Dawn tools that I made and painted and, you know, spent hundreds of dollars to craft store to make all these ritual implements and all this thing. And, all the books I'd read, and so I'm like, damn, maybe I should kind of look into this a little bit, <laughs> and and I did, and you know, I'm not dissing the Golden Dawn system. It's a practical, magical system. It works for, for what it is, um, but th- it's based on a lot of stuff that I just c- didn't find palatable anymore when I... Yeah. When I started looking at the history and all that's around the same time I started realizing that well, there was so much BS about the tarot and and I I just like damn <laughs> like I really need to read the history. I really need to study the real history because these guys were you know late 19th century smart people but they were working with his history that was not that doesn't hold up to our current standards so that was a that was another eureka moment for me and that's when i decided you know what if i'm going to study magic like i want to go back to the beginning i want to go back to the oldest magic magical documents and resources and just study it study how magic is done not just western magic but Eastern magic, African magic, and indigenous magic. I, I just I just was on a quest. I was on right. a qu- quest to understand magic. What is magic? Why do we do it? How's it done differently in different cultures? But more importantly, what? How is it done? What are the universal sort of currents in it? Right. And that was a real. 
that was years and years and years. And luckily, I worked at an Institute of Higher Learning at Johns Hopkins, so I had access to like the awesome interlibrary loan <laughs> and and academic. Uh, databases and things like that. So I was just like, you know, a pig and, and you know, you know what, with uh, when I discovered there was so much material out there, so much like fascinating history and anthropology and all that. So that was like, that was the second phase of my, when I said, I'm done. Um, I'm done with like the nonsense. I really want to find out. I really want to read the source documents. Like I want to, I want to immerse myself in history. I want to immerse myself in what people who really study this stuff know about magic. And that's, I'm still on that journey uh, because there's yeah. so much and, and we're so lucky to live in this time when so much is available. Um, so many so many old books have been scanned and are up online and it, it's just it's such a beautiful time you can go to uh i think it's university of exeter now and get get a master's degree in the study of magic i mean this is yeah. what what a time to live in we don't have to rely on margaret murray anymore we don't have to rely on the golden bow we don't we don't have to re- rely on robert graves like that's great stuff, and it's important. It's very poetic. It's very poetic, but but like we we can understand it in context now. Yeah, like th- those aren't the only sources that that we learn from. Like we we like we can. I have a copy of the Greek Magical Papyri, you know, and twenty years ago you couldn't get your hands on that. And, no, and 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 the Orphic hymns, like all of these, like amazing books from from the past you know i can have delivered to my door tomorrow yeah. it's 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 just an amazing time to be alive and to be to to be interested in magic because it's just an explosion of of resources so it, it i think i i feel very lucky that i i was challenged um, by people who told me, hey, you know, that's not true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by people who said, hey, why don't you look into this instead? Because I, I, I really could still be what I've considered spinning my wheels and believing some things that just weren't true. And when you study the real history, like it's, it's more interesting and it's, it makes your magic better, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so what I was doing for years and years and years, like I said, I'm still on this journey, is looking for the threads that connect different magical systems, whether it's hoodoo, whether it's, you know, some medieval grimoire, whether it's what some chaos magician has done. And not to the extent of, like, I don't believe it's like a, just a big cafeteria where you could just pick things and all that. But I think if you look deeply at enough traditions you start to see things like oh that's like that's contagion magic um mm-hmm. yeah and, and that's uh that's you start to understand like correspondences and things things start to click from different traditions 
And there's always the danger of kind of over-universalizing. I, I will, I, I, I try to avoid that. I also really stay away from appropriation. And, mm-hmm. and that's something that like uh, really appalls me when someone says they're part of an initiatory tradition. They've never, they've never been initiated into the tradition, things like that, or like the faux shamans and people appropriating Native American stuff and all that. That, that, that always kind of bothers me. But I think you can look at a whole lot of traditions and see the threads that connect them and then kind of build your practice on that, like you were talking about earlier, you know, mm-hmm. you you do your magic, and um, so that's that's where it all kind of kind of led to for me is um, study as much as you can, and then pull the threads that seem to make sense, and then try things like experiment, and that's why some people are like, "Oh, you're a chaos magician." I'm like, no, first of all, I don't like the term chaos. It it just seems uh, I, it doesn't fit like historically I understand where it came from but I I like the term experimental magic mm-hmm. I like I like the 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 idea that we can we can try things and mm-hmm. practice things and change up things a little bit and if they work then we go with it yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah, one of the things you mentioned appropriation. What worry? What what will get under my skin even faster than appropriation is when you make something up wholesale and then say it came from the Lakota or yeah that'll 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 get me like twitching like oh, right yeah. away. And the other one, and this is my favorite is when someone says, well, this being that I call the lady is the same thing as white buffalo woman. And I'm like, sir, you're white. (laughs) You don't get to tell people who their foundational deity is in relation to you. You, right. you are not the center of the universe. <laughs> she is the foundation of an entire religious movement and culture. And you don't get to tell the people who she came to to speak to what she's about. You, right. you need to not, that's not, that's no. <laughs> that's <laughs> not a thing. Um. And I got into, I will get into some big arguments with people over stuff like that. That's one Mm -hmm. of the ones that just, like, no, don't get to tell the Lakota who their (laughs) foundational spirit is. You just don't. You don't get to do that. You, oh, boy. And and some people will say, well, what's the harm in it? And I'm like, (laughs) what do you mean, what's the harm in it? Uh, Here we have... We have a people, we've stolen their land. We killed, almost killed off their major food source. I mean, we tried real hard and, mm-hmm. and almost made it, but thankfully didn't. And, and we, we put them on the crappiest land and then just sort of threw crappy commodity food at them and alcohol because that's good. 
because they didn't have that before, so they're susceptible Mm -hmm. to it. Ooh, Mm -hmm. yay. Mm -hmm. And then on top of everything, you want to tell them how their religion works. After, after, oh, and we steal their kids and send them away to Americanize them, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and make them Christians. Uh, I I just read today. What else do you want to do, buddy? I just read today um, about um, a Native American boy, I think it was in Kansas, who they forced him to cut his hair. Oh. His, the, his school forced him to cut his hair. I'm like, are we still doing this? It, this like, was like 19th, early 20th century stuff, guys. Can we stop Right, now? right. Can we please stop doing this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I and And the thing is, like, there are so many traditions that are open you know like mm-hmm. ganesha mm-hmm. feel free like i i have a i have a statue of him right behind me on my shelf right here i mean there are plenty of traditions that are willing to shit please yes mm-hmm. work with our deity you know it's it's okay yeah. <laughs> it's cool most of the most of the hindu uh sects there's how many orthodoxies like i don't know nine ten mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. They are very open in general and are very happy to, you know, share their knowledge. And I'll tell you, if you sing Kirtan long enough, those mm-hmm. deities will answer you. Oh, yeah. Oh, no yeah. question. <laughs> no question there. It's none of this, oh, they survived through all of the. No, they've been worshipped the whole time exactly. from the beginning until yep. now. Yep. You know, yep. the the British... Empire tried, maybe, kind of, but they didn't mm-hmm. really succeed. Did, did not succeed. That's uh, and the so, whole like closed. There's there's so much silliness, and you know I'm happy that there's such a thing as witch talk, and and people are getting turned on to witchcraft and occultism and magic and all that sort of stuff. But but every once in a while. I'll hear something like people saying, oh, tarot is a closed practice. No, what? Tar- tarot is a <laughs> closed practice. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, and the, it's it's the Roma. It belongs to the Roma people. Like, no, it doesn't. It the, never first did, of all, y'all. that is a lie right there. Like, that is a racist <laughs> stereotype that you're perpetuating to claim that something is closed. Like, tarot originated in Christian Europe. It has Christian iconography all through it. Yeah. It was not like there were myths that it was spread by, you know, what were called the gypsies, now called the Roma. And but it had nothing to do with them. They, like most people, used playing cards if they were doing divination. Yep. So so there's just so much nonsense out there. It's it's stunning, and that's kind of the that's kind of the other side of the coin to magic being so prevalent and popular and having all this information is Sturgeon's Law again. You know, it's like ninety percent of it is crap. Yeah, um, and there's so much crap to wade through that would I that that's why I like this conversation we're having right now because it kind of it it shows people that you 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 know there is some legitimate. Stuff. There's legitimate information. You just have to find sources who know yeah. what they're talking about. <laughs> or, a lot of times that's not like, 
you know, a, a kid who just discovered witchcraft and suddenly, you know, thinks he or she knows it, well, everything you know, we and has a video. Kid once, of course, you know. yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, but you know what I found out when I was when I was a teenager, and a friend of mine was also a witch, and I was a witch, but we were also fans of Marion Zimmer Bradley. So this is embarrassing stuff here, y'all. <laughs> no, it's it's totally it's it's of the time, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. But what was what was interesting, of course, was this is before Starhawk wrote. This mm-hmm. is before Margaret Murray. This was this was before a lot of you know legit stuff. Mm-hmm. And even though the Kanawha County Library had an amazing amount of folklore and uh, all kinds of really uh, occult, mm. esoteric stuff, mm-hmm. we didn't want to do like the Golden Dawn. Mm-hmm. You know, we—I mm-hmm. was like, that's 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 an awful lot, <laughs> and they were all rich people. You know, they were like seriously rich people. So we can't really, we'd have to fake it, essentially. We'd have to, you know, have workarounds and stuff. I don't want to do that. And we were all a bunch of Darkover fans. We, mm-hmm. So we decided to do it like the psychic sort of technology mm-hmm. that she created in her Fiction. This mm-hmm. is fiction, y'all. Mm-hmm. This is fiction, mm-hmm. totally fiction. And so that's what we did. We ended up doing a lot of out-of-body astral projection mm-hmm. as a group. And mm. we structured the energy raising and the focusing of it on one person out mm. of her book. And you know what? It worked. Yeah. And you know why it worked? Because we knew it would work. Mm-hmm. Because we yep. believed it would. Yep, yep. And so when people get all upset, if you tell them that witchcraft or Wicca did not come down to us from the ancient times and, mm-hmm. you know, from the burning times and Dorothy Clutterbuck had a, a book of shadows 15 inches thick and, <laughs> you know, all that stuff, it doesn't matter. Right. If you work with it and you do it with an open heart and you believe it and you believe in yourself... Mm-hmm. it'll work. In mm-hmm. fact, one of the cornerstones of magic is believing not only in it, but in yourself. Mm-hmm. Because you are focusing that magic to become an agent of change. And that, to me, is the primary purpose of magic. It is change. Yep. It can be change in yourself, which is what you should start out with, honestly. You don't want to mm-hmm. go mucking about with other stuff and screw mm-hmm. things up. That's mm-hmm. bad. <laughs> but you're pretty safe working on yourself. So you work on yourself, and then you start to learn that you can change things in your environment in subtle and eventually fairly grand ways. Mm-hmm. And you learn that if you work magic with more people you can change things in a more, I don't want to say bigly way, 
but in a bigly way, you know, much bigger, uh-huh. much, much bigger. As we found out with how many people do we think found that out? Ooh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was always hard to get an actual count, but, um, you know, at the height of that mass ritual, many tens of thousands of people. Um, nowadays, I think we have about probably at least four or five thousand that's still regularly doing a monthly ritual, which mm-hmm. is pretty amazing. Um, and that, I mean, that still is just, you know, I still, my mind is still kind of blown that that happened and that exists and it still exists in a community grew around a ritual, uh, doing a ritual together, separately, but together. Um, it, it's, it, I, I still have a hard time wrapping my head around it. I think it's, it's so, I feel so humbled to, that it happened. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 the most humbling thing of all is the fact that I think a lot of people got their first taste of ritual through doing yeah. that, through through taking part in that, got their first taste of ritual. Like, wow, this, and the whole. I, I I've said from the very beginning. Like, yes, we had a motive for doing this. We had a very practical, real world focus of our energy and what we were trying to do. But it was equally important that we were helping ourselves survive a really, yes. really, really challenging horrifying depressing um just dismal period in history for a lot of us like a lot of us who care about human rights and democracy yeah and and all that all that good stuff all that good stuff yeah uh all those who who did listen to the the people like the librarian that were in the camps and and took, took what they experienced to heart um so yeah, it's uh, it, it's doing that. That's to me. Um, and you were you just kind of went into this a little bit, and I totally agree. Like doing magic for yourself, doing magic to work on yourself. I still think is kind of. I think that's 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 a good way to start out, and then we start realizing we can be change makers in other ways of magic. I feel like for the trajectory for a lot of us is comes kind of back to ourselves mm-hmm. because ultimately we when we change ourselves, as you also said very succinctly earlier, is like we, then the world changes also. And the older I get, the more I realize like the more I work on my my stuff, the more I work on myself, the more I have sort of a theurgical practice versus you know trying to make stuff happen out in the world and trying to get places and do things i the more i feel like i'm i'm putting myself on the right path where i need to be you know like Mm -hmm. the more the more the adversities of life i can navigate through them easier because i'm changing my own consciousness i'm changing myself and I, I, for, I think it was Josephine McCarthy, who I, I love her work. 
She has the Aquaria um, magic uh, course, things mm-hmm. like that, which I recommend to people. It's a great, uh, it's a great program of visionary magic. If you're if that's kind of what you're drawn to, it's fantastic. But she said, you know, the the more you do magic, the more you realize you're that you need to do less magic. Um, yeah. And I've found that to be true. You know, when I, it, I, 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 I do like sort of devotional stuff regularly, but I'm not, I'm not doing as much um, in the way of trying to make things happen like I used to. Um, yeah. I feel like it's more the, like sort of the metaphor I have is like a surfer or a sailboat. Like the, I do magic to ride the current mm-hmm. to the right place to uh, to find the right current, or to to use the wind and the what the way the waves are going. I sort of scope things out and then do magic to just kind of be on the right trajectory, rather than hey, I want to, I want this job, or right, I want to get laid, or I want this, or I want that. You know, it's so much less of that doing magic for something and more like doing magic for, for my own development. And, and a lot Mm -hmm. of people might, I've, I've, I've known magicians and witches and all are like, that's, oh, that's garbage. You're just, you're just, it's, you're just making it all about self-improvement or, you know, whatever it's like, no, that's, that's not true. I think every spiritual system across the board is about cultivating yourself, like cultivating your soul, cultivating your spirit. And that's just the trajectory that has worked out for me. But the best thing about it, the more you try to develop yourself, aspects of yourself, the more you find yourself in the right place, the more you find yourself with the right people, Mm -hmm. the more you find things making the connections that that help you and uh you know so it's it's less ego driven i think and more introspective and more um it's just spiritual i guess it's it's less about making things happen it's more about like making me better making me understand things better and making understand myself like the stupid things that I do maybe do less of them better better relationships uh, that sort of thing and a lot of people will will crap on that and say that you're not doing magic anymore Uh, well okay man you do your own thing whatever you say dude (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) my answer these days you know if somebody's being it's usually yeah sure Jan whatever (laughs) <laughs> for real you can say that you can say that whatever yeah whatever it's not it's not it's you know maybe maybe magic has helped me realize it's not worth arguing with randos on the internet I, if it, you know, if it's done that then i then thank you yeah. magic right that is a good change in, in the world right there i i often have to remind myself don't read the comments yeah, don't exactly read the comments like finally am i finally learning that i mean it's you know we all still fail of course there are people who will stick that needle in you know yeah right I'm where it hits that nerve <laughs> not as bad yeah, used to be here. before well before 2016 people could tell 
I was telling someone they were wrong on the internet by the, mm-hmm. the sound of the typing. <laughs> like my younger child, Fox, who's 17, says that he grew up knowing by the way mommy was typing <laughs> what she was up to on the internet. Uh-huh. You know, it wasn't, she wasn't just writing something. She wasn't writing a blog post. She wasn't <laughs> writing an email. No, she was commenting to a commenter about how wrong they were on the internet. <laughs> and it's like that um, gif of Kermit at the typewriter. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yep. It's the sound that you can imagine that that's making. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, I don't do that anymore, really. I, every now and then, like you say, one person will get the the exact spot and just, mm-hmm. but yeah we, we are human after all <laughs> yes <laughs> yes <laughs> yes one of one of the things when you say you you it's like surfing mm-hmm. or sailing one of the things i understood at a fairly early age was that it was much easier this is before I read Taoism, and then I realized, oh, you didn't invent a damn thing, you know. <laughs> but it was it was easier to recognize where the energy is flowing, and to recognize what you want to do. You have to fit it into the flow of that energy to get it to do it. It's much easier. Mm-hmm. That it's it's like swimming. You can mm-hmm. swim downstream. And it's easy because that's where the water's going. Mm-hmm. Or you can swim upstream and then it's harder. And if you're not a salmon, you have no reason to be doing that. So don't, <laughs> you know, figure out a different way to do things. And, and that's how I, I felt for a long time was that if we go with how the universe is already moving, if it's moving in a beneficial direction, mm-hmm. then making those little subtle changes is is much easier and making larger changes is easier too because you're not mm-hmm. really changing that much you're just kind of pushing the flow a little bit to one side or the other towards something mm-hmm. um but when you when you go with ill intent if you work with ill intent and you try to cause harm mm-hmm. you're you're going against a flow yeah, yeah, I, I I believe that too, and that's that was funny because you know when my the whole binding thing um, that I put together took off like it did. There were so many people, um, mostly mostly witches, mostly Wiccans as a, the subset of witches, but we're saying like, oh my gosh, you're the threefold law. You're gonna it's gonna come back and burn you and all this. And like, well, not, I'm not. I'm not doing anything. I'm not cursing someone, you know, no. like uh, I'm, I'm trying. We collectively are trying to prevent harm. That's what we're doing. That's a far different thing than than hurling maledictions at people. On the other hand, like I think there is a perfect reason to use defensive magic, um, even if yeah. it is kind of harmful, if you're trying to protect someone, you know, if someone's after like one of my kids, if someone is trying to harm someone I love, you can bet your ass. Well, I'm sorry, that's, yeah, that's, not, that's that. not really a curse. That's you can bet your really. ass that I will um, 
do everything in my power to stop you. Um, yeah. You know, and so self-defense is not cursing. Self-defense is self-defense. Yes. Um, you know, is non. I'm a completely nonviolent person. I don't like violence in any form at all. Um, and, but if you're trying to harm someone that I love, I will put myself in front of you and I will hurt you if I have to, to stop you to the point yeah. where you stop, um, when it, wherever that point is. But I totally agree in that Taoist perspective that you're talking about is so true because if you follow the energy, if, if you, you know, a huge part of magic is just understanding the flow of energy or whatever you want to call it, consciousness, the universe, the field. But if you if you can tap into that, and that's why divination is so important, um, to have a divination practice if you practice magic, is so that you can find those currents. Mm-hmm. So you can say, I want to get to that shore, but if I swim that way, I'm swimming against the current in your perfect metaphor. Or I could catch this little current in the river right here and it will take me to the other side of the shore with very little effort on my part. Yeah. And I'll have to walk a little farther once I get on sure, the shore, but yeah. I'll get to the shore. Exactly. I won't drown trying to get there because I'm damn determined to swim yeah. against the current because that's what I want to do. And and that's the beauty of, of Taoism and, uh, and why at, at an early age, like, like your kindly librarian, uh, my high school English teacher handed me an Alan Watts book. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's called The Book on the Taboo Against Knowing Who You Are. And, man, that thing was like my Bible. That was dog-eared. I carried that around um, everywhere I went and read everything that— Alan Watts um, wrote after after I read that, but it just and and also Ursula Le Guin, you know her yeah. fiction. You're talking about Marion Zimmer Bradley. Well, you know I I learned from Earthsea. <laughs> yeah, I, I learned magic, and there that kind of applies to that river analogy, yeah. that sea, that sailing analogy. And she was such a such a great exponent of of um, the Tao Te Ching. You know, um, yeah. Yeah, uh, wrote her own wrote her own version of it, and that gets back. I, I just because I don't know how much time we have, but but the idea of art as magic is just so such a truism for me, mm-hmm. and that's why your Marion Zimmer Bradley psychic coven worked because it yep. worked. It was laid out for you in. In art, it was it was manifested, and then you took it and ran with it with with your friends. And um, so much paganism came out of like uh, Robert Heinlein's "Stranger in a Strange Land," yep. the whole idea of like water sharing and all that. Oberon Zell and that whole you know, I mean, the whole modern idea of paganism really kind of started with the Church yep. of All Worlds. And so, s- fiction and art. I know Alan Moore has a great quote. I wish I could remember it off the top of my head, but it's, you know, how art is magic and magic is art. Yeah. And so, so much of of how I do magic and what I think about magic is clearly, like, you know, it comes from my immersion in in fantasy and art and, and I think that's wonderful. I think, be- yeah, literature, because because artists 
change reality. Artists change consciousness. There's nothing more magical to me than reading. And that's why I love writing, and that's why I like writing fiction, things like that. And I'll never forget um, Stephen King's book on writing, which I love. It's the book that forced me to actually sit down and write a novel, like, I'm going to do it. It was so inspiring to me. But he has a little th- a little sort of uh, metaphor in that book. Not really a metaphor, but like a little description. He said, reading is telepathy. Writing is fiction is telepathy. He said, here's why. He said, right now, I, I'm sitting in a room on January 23rd, 1993 or whatever, and I've got in front of me is a box or is a little cage, and in the cage is a rabbit. It's a little white rabbit, and on its back is painted the number eight. And he said, you're seeing that right now. Like, I don't know when you're reading this. I don't know where you are mm-hmm. on this planet, but you are. I'm. You're reading my mind, and I'm putting thoughts in your mind right mm-hmm. now. And that's you know when you you're like, well, duh, that's what. Re-, but when you really <laughs> conceptualize that, it's mind blowing. It's like that is real psychic that's telepathy that's Mm -hmm. and so so you know i read that and i've never gotten over sort of the ontological shock of realizing that the power of of fiction and storytelling and and that it it transcends time and space and it's uh, that's sorry to get off on a tangent but no but, but that's that's all part of that magic of of art is is that changing people's consciousness and how 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 art can change history you know how art can change so much and and the fact that we've had we've had fiction that has given us these understandings of magic and how to work magically and how magic can do things i i, I just love the i just love the idea that magic and art are so inseparable yeah um and that's that's one of the things that when people ask me where do I get my ideas for my art, I don't know most of the time. Mm-hmm. I, it's, I get an image in my head and it won't go away until I create it. Now, when I do art for each podcast episode, well, obviously it was inspired by that episode because usually I listen to the episode for the editing while I'm doing art. So that's part of it, but it's Mm -hmm. never always all of it. Mm -hmm. So I, I mean, I can explain, I can do artist statements because I also write. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had had a, a gallery manager say to me, Oh, you, you you gave me an artist statement that I didn't have to rewrite most people. <laughs> it's just like, I'm like, well, that's because I, I write too. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah. I mean, I, I remember talking with my 17-year-old. They want to go to school. They want to ma- major in art. Mm-hmm. They want to go to college. But you have to write an essay about what you want to do and why you want to do it. Mm-hmm. 
and he had the typical artist, I don't know why. I'm like, well, let's let's think about that. Let's talk about it. And so I started asking questions, and I was like, you know, what is your favorite medium? How does it make you feel? Where do you get inspiration? Do you get it from music? Do you get it from film? Do you get it from books? Do you get it from outside in real life? Do you get it from watching your cats? You know, mm-hmm, and I started. Mm-hmm. And, and finally, after about a week of this, he realized he could write it. And then, oh, my heart just exploded with joy because he had a couple of friends who were having problems writing their essays. Mm-hmm. And so he asked them the questions. Oh, and I was like, nice. oh, yes, <laughs> yes. But it's, you know, magic and art are the same thing. I yeah. mean, let's go back to the caves. Yeah. That art was transformative. Right, yep. And there is something to be said that it's kind of like a, a film, because of the way the light flickered on the uneven surface of the cave mm-hmm. and the way they used that uneven surface to put the bulge in the belly of mm-hmm. a cow mm-hmm. or to make the shaman that's dancing mm-hmm. move when, when shadow would hit it. It's, they're way more complicated than most people think. Yeah, for real. For real. I think they're some of the most beautiful animal paintings, and they show to me Mm -hmm. that these people observed them very closely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because that's what, you know, um, painting and drawing is, is the ability to see first, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then to take what you see and push it through your hands and put it onto a surface. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to have the seeing part first. Mm -hmm. And then your hand has to get the ability to take that site and put it someplace else. So you see a cow goes in the head, goes down your arms and you put it on the rock. Mm -hmm. You know, I think they were so skilled Mm -hmm. to be able to do that. One of the things I wondered about, because these are such small passages and they had to crawl, you know, Mm -hmm. I wondered about air you know, oxygen, and if they had a torch with them, I was like, I wonder if when they went for rituals after they were painted, if there was a little bit of hypoxia happening. Mm -hmm. Sure. Which would then deepen the experience. Right, right, right. And I'm sure they had some sort of entheogens with them, Mm -hmm. but even just that slight lack of of oxygen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. would change consciousness. And of course... One of the definitions of magic is change in consciousness in accordance to will. Sure. And I think that's Isaac Bonowitz. Yeah, that uh, I know. Um, uh, Dion Fortune had the change of consciousness in hers. Then I know Crowley led, added uh, at with at will. Um, you know, he he made it more about like changes in the in the external world, mm-hmm. whereas Dion Fortune was just more about. Uh, ch- she just said changing consciousness. You know, her magic was very much very much more visionary, mm-hmm. more going into yourself. 
Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, that, that's, that's the core of it really. I think if, if nothing else, magic will show you that you, the power of what, of changing your consciousness, of being able to alter your consciousness, you know, psychedelics are like, we we see how they're exploding in popularity now. Capitalists are turning them into you know corporate retreats and things like that, which is just kind of terrifying to me. Um, but uh, you know, changing your consciousness through ritual, changing your consciousness through magic, is equally powerful in a way. And also, mm -hmm. you don't have to take like. An entire two days out of your life to oh, yeah. to go through just, <laughs> right. yeah well, that's serious <laughs> yeah yeah and and then there's I mean it's a it's a I think everyone who is drawn to psychedelics should experience them there's nothing like that plunge into um, the experience of seeing how much is in your head you know how mm -hmm. much out there is created in here and there's just so many lessons from psychedelics done you know properly done safely and things like that done not in a cultic situation with you know unscrupulous people which i think is is the big fear of mine nowadays but so i think everyone who feels compelled by that experience should have an opportunity to to experience to have those experiences but um I think once you have had that experience, um, if that's something you want to do, then learning to create similar states through ritual, through magic, mm -hmm. which is what magic has always been about. Uh, that again, that change of consciousness, altering your, you know, using incense, using sound, using posture, using chanting, using br breathing, yeah. movement, all that stuff. Um, that there, there's so that's such an important part of magic. Not reading a spell that you learned in a book, um, not following the instructions on TikTok, but just getting like deep into yourself, understanding how to change your consciousness, um, mm -hmm. is is the key. Is is really the 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 main aspect of magic you need to change your consciousness in order to make effective magic not just rote reading of a spell not putting a, a, you know something in something waving a wand doing the, all that stuff has to facilitate the change in consciousness so i would hope that you know anyone who's thinking about magic like make that your goal like learn learn trance learn how to get mm -hmm. deep really really deep and then that's when the magic really happens mm -hmm. yeah that's that's it exactly um <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna bring in something from left field and, and Ooh, i like left field bring bring although i bring was a, a terrible thought. i was terrible little league player so uh, i always i always got stuck in right field because no one hit the ball out there but i love <laughs> left field <laughs> that's where the best ideas come from <laughs> yeah so one of the things that you know people in this past several years but specifically this past year in the ufo community have been going on about see left field ufos mm -hmm. um 
has been disclosure and mm -hmm. everybody's everybody's like there's this frisson of movement i'm one of the old people who goes oh, i've heard this before <laughs> so many times uh, yeah. disclosure's going to happen and it's going to be a thing and so there i'm sitting in the corner being curmudgeonly about it but <laughs> I'm starting to notice movement among people who I respect, who I've looked at their scholarship and it's it's not, they aren't ex-CIA uh, people for mm -hmm. one thing. Mm -hmm. I, I don't trust all of those people. <laughs> um, but one of the things that keeps being said is UFOs are real but they aren't what you think they are. That's one of the things that keeps being, mm -hmm. you know, thrown out into the ether, into the mm -hmm. internet, into the social media. It's, it's not what you think yeah. it is. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I'm like, oh, you mean you finally figured out they weren't nuts and bolts craft? <laughs> Took you long enough, you know? So again, curmudgeonly, curmudgeonly. Mm -hmm. But there was a, I just read something from a friend of mine who had a, Communication. So one of the things we didn't talk about with magic was conjuring spirits. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, you know, I kind of feel like people who are in UFO contact with some sort of beings, because mm -hmm. I don't think they're extraterrestrial, but mm -hmm. that's me. Mm -hmm. Could be. I could be wrong. Um, that's kind of like spirit conjuration. And it's oh, yeah. kind of like... Um, it's it's kind of like talking with well it's it's like Ed Kelly talking with the Enochian angels mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and uh, Alistair Crowley with Lamb, mm -hmm. you know who everybody says looks like a gray and I'm kind of like mm -hmm. hey, he also kind of looks like a goblin and he also kind of <laughs> looks like Balok from you know Star Trek the first series but yeah I had a Balok T-shirt for until well, <laughs> till it fell apart <laughs> yeah I liked Balok. Uh, so, but what this person said was, is I think that what they, meaning the UFO beings, want us to understand is that we can change our reality. Mm -hmm. That when they show us that they can walk through walls and they show us that they can appear and disappear, mm -hmm. that our material reality isn't as material as we think. Mm -hmm. And that maybe this whole purpose is to get us to expand our consciousness to the point where we understand that we can change our reality. And I'm like, you mean they're trying to tell us to use magic? That's what you mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you mean, right, right, right? <laughs> so what do you think about that? Yeah, I I have such mixed feelings. Um, uh, my My thinking has changed so much in ufology over time. Um, I, I do believe that these, these beings, whatever they are, um, I don't know what they are. Um, and my, nobody my, does. My personal experience, my, I had one UFO sighting. It was actually two objects. And 
I was already like really, I've been fascinated by UFOs since I was a kid. Again, you know, watching In Search of and Leonard Nimoy, uh, reading Brad Steiger books and stuff like that. Like I, I just was immersed in this. But in 1990, I asked for UFOs to show up and they showed up. Mm-hmm. So this was this happened after I had had a really intense dream about UFOs the night before. And there there was another synchronicity that involved me making the the day before it happened I'd made a little alien head in the sand because I was at the beach and made this little alien guy in the sand. So the dream, making the alien guy in the sand, asking and these two crazy freakish lights showing up in the clear night sky and doing all sorts of crazy things that were impossible. For me, that cemented the idea that there's, there's a consciousness aspect to it. Um, be, because it, it it could have been the most extreme set of coincidences in the world that this happened. I don't believe that. No. I felt like I said, really, in my mind, I looked up at this clear night sky and said, okay, if you're out there, now is the perfect time to show yourselves. There's nobody around. It's September. I'm at a beach on the Atlantic coast. There's no one show yourselves and I really, really, really did not expect anything to show up, but it did. And that changed my thinking in so many ways. Um, you know, the the fact that people like, you know, Grush in his testimony saying, well, they could be interdimensional, the fact that people, you know, p- distinguished people with you know, with careers in the military or, you know, or, or in politics or whatever are now talking about interdimensional beings, like on the record, kind, know, of, right? kind of, kind of blows my mind. Um, this was, yep. this was that, these were the, the bulletin boards and the early internet. That's the kind of stuff that we were, you know, mm-hmm. we were all talking about back then. And now it's in the congressional record. Some guy going, yeah, well, they just could be interdimensional beings. I mean, that's, that's I know, right? That's <laughs> like, what the hell? How did the world catch up to my weirdness? Um, yeah, yeah. Us uh, professional weirdos have been right that now, for a long time. Right now, we're just like, oh yeah, sure. Everybody thinks they're interdimensional beings and stuff like that. So, in one respect, uh, that's kind of like I. I I, I just am in a perpetual shock that we're yeah. talking about that sort of thing. I wonder how much of that is really, you know, it's so hard to tell whether people, whether people like, like Grush, you know, like these other, you know, whistleblowers or however they identify, whether they've just picked up on the pop culture stuff that we have, you know, uh, yeah, and they're just kind of recycling that. Um, whether they really know something maybe that we don't um, or think I mean, they know something or or or, th- or think they know something or you know i i have a tangential relationship with someone on the uap task force um and this person has said like i this person will not tell me anything uh they will not say boo 
about anything that that they know. But this this person goes to the Pentagon regularly <laughs> and talks about this stuff with people there. But the one thing I did get from them is uh, when I, uh, I I sent an email or something about when when Grush was first coming out and the testimony and all that, and I said something like, "Either this guy you know, really knows what he's talking about." Um, or we're being led to believe a narrative. Mm -hmm. And this person that I know just highlighted the section of the email that said, we are being led to believe Mm -hmm. a narrative. So I have no freaking clue. Um, Yeah. I have also, (laughs) and this, like people like Soraya and Josh Kutchin and all, when we've had discussions and, uh, red pill junkie and stuff like they would pillory me for saying this for a while but i was like maybe it is extraterrestrial <laughs> you know yeah. uh, and they're like oh my come on man we've known you for so long I'm like yeah but i don't know like maybe it maybe it is extraterrestrial i don't know like i i'm so agnostic that that i i can't rule that out like i'm not going to say no this isn't an extraterrestrial phenomenon yeah. It might be, <laughs> um, but whatever it is, it works on a level. Yeah, I'm still like Jacques Vallée fanboy. Uh, I'm yeah. still John yeah. Keel. You know, obviously we're you know, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, yeah. We we might be fans of John Keel. You, you know, we might be a podcast associated yeah. with that. Um, but but the idea that there's there's a deeper level to this. So even if it is extraterrestrial, and maybe it is. Those extraterrestrials can tap into our consciousness, our dreams. There's yep. there's a level that is mythical and it work works in ways that that go far beyond nuts and bolts. And it might be nuts. They might be in nuts and bolts things. I I don't even I don't even rule that out anymore. But one can't deny. That once you've ex- had experiences with them and people who have had far stranger experiences with them than I have, the psychic stuff just happens. The paranormal stuff just yeah just goes off off the rails, and you cannot deny that there's something. It's it's bigger. It's deeper. Whatever the they are behind it, it's. It, it it touches us on a level that goes beyond what it would yeah. be if it was just some dudes flying around up there. Yeah. Yeah. That's very I, long winded way of saying I have no I have no clue. Yeah, none of us have any real idea. <laughs> I, yeah. But I do I do think that that, you know, the psychic and paranormal aspects and things like, hey, if you're out there, you know, won't you show me something? And then, boom, there's some weirdo lights doing weirdo stuff. That's magical, too. That For is yeah. some kind of non-standard communication is yeah. happening. It's, it's conjuration or summoning. I used to, I called it summoning when I first wrote about it. Um, I called it. It has, uh, a t- it has a tinge of summoning, too. Yeah, yeah, because it was based on something that Jacques Vallée wrote. No, here's what I called it. I remember now. Um, attempted manipulation 
of UFO manifestations. Yes. And that's that's the phrase I glommed onto. I think it might have been in like um God, what magazine was that? Like like not Green Egg, but um there was like some freaky magazine that I used to read. Um back was in the good Omni? old days. No, no, it was uh damn. Of course as soon as we're done. Anyway, it was uh it was in one of these alternative mag magazines and, and it it talked about it talked about Jacques Jacques Vallée meeting Anton LaVey and oh, how yeah. and how they were kind of buddies. Yeah. And Robert Anton Wilson, you know, all 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 that that generation, that great collection of minds. Um and but it was called attempted manipulation of UFO manifestations. It's like I did that and it worked. I've tried it. I've tried it since then and it's never worked again. But damn if it didn't work on September twenty third, uh nineteen ninety. Um, you know, there's that twenty three kind of weirdness in that too, that it took me a while to to uh to recognize as well. But um yeah, I, I so that that's a very long-winded way of saying that I, I I absolutely agree that that the UFO phenomenon is somehow linked to magical practice. I don't know if it's the same thing, um, but you know when you're saying hey something that isn't material show up and show yourself and it does that has a lot of resonance with yeah, with ma- with magical practice and spirits and all that so yeah i know i don't know it, it, it's yeah i mean you didn't cast a circle and all that but you know right right you, yeah you you asked and you did receive so yeah 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 for sure um yeah it's 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 freaky um it, it's that that experience um you know, I've had other things that felt kind of like manifestations. I don't do a lot of spirit conjuring. It's never been my thing. I don't have anything against it. Um, but I I do believe in that you can feel presences. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the work I've done with the Arbitel uh, and Olympic spirits for, yeah, for real, you know, either... I'm, my brain is making these entities and they seem as real as talking to you on the computer right now or the, or they have some sort of empirical existence. Um, but yeah, uh, and the people I do know that practice more kind of spirit conjuring magic, I, I, I trust them, you know, that uh, yeah. I trust that they know they know what they're doing. And they're they're talking to something that's not them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Even John Keel said uh, a couple of times that when he was when he was in the process of of investigating Mothman, that when he talked with people about it later, um, his uh, friends who were witches and magicians, not not stage magicians but magician mm-hmm. magicians mm-hmm. because of course he he knew all kinds of strange people mm-hmm. they were the only ones who knew what was going on 
is kind of how he put it, that they mm-hmm. understood, oh, you're talking with some kind of spiritual entity. Mm-hmm. Um, this could have been conjured. This could have been a thought form. Mm-hmm. This could be, you know, an angel. It could be an mm-hmm. angelic being. It could be a deity of some sort, you know. And and then all of these lights, that's the same stuff that, you know, ritual magicians have been reporting for ages. Right. You know, that these strange lights that pop up. So that's part yeah. of where he got into the whole idea of demonology mm-hmm. as being part of what he was exploring. So mm-hmm. Yeah, they the magical people had a framework for it. Mm-hmm. You know, they they had a vocabulary to to explain it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. They they weren't, sure. you know, running around <laughs> expecting, <laughs> you know, that well, they, they weren't running about trying to have a good time on a Saturday night and having something <laughs> jump out at them and <laughs> exactly. you know, flying exactly. off and and being what the hell was that? They'd be flying <laughs> off because nobody in their right mind would sit there for that. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> they'd be driving off and then they'd think about it and talk about it and go, you know, that that could be a that that could have been a some kind of conjuration. Somebody conjured something up, you know. Yeah. What, who's dabbling out here? Who's who's right. messing with stuff, right? Right. Who's out here in Point Pleasant doing <laughs> w- weird summoning rituals? <laughs> it's like, who, you know, who do we have to go after? You know, they yeah. never clean up after themselves when they do <laughs> they this always stuff. leave a mess, right? They never yeah. sh- shut the door. Or they open. Come on, people. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Crowley I, um, didn't shut the door on Lamb, so yeah, that's you know. so yeah, so so they say. Um, yeah, for I I did have experience with. Um, I understood the idea of thought forms in it when I was a kid because I feel like I created a um, an entity, and so I was I, I made up a ghost, um, and I perpetuated this fake ghost. I just talked about this ghost a lot. And if something, you know, something would fall in the room or something, or like, that's the ghost when I was with somebody. Mm-hmm. And so I gave this ghost a name and things like that. And um, and I just, I just talked about it a lot. And what freaked me out is when it seemed other people started talking about this ghost as well mm. and oh man i had this thing happen and it was the ghost and then another person started talking about it and that's why when i you know when i learned about the concept of a tulpa um and and start reading a, about thought forms and i'm like damn is is that what i did Um, because I swear, and I would apologize to this one guy in particular today, if I ran into him, he was in, from my elementary school, like, I bet to this day, he still, like, he still believes in this ghost because it became real to him. And I didn't have the heart to tell him at that point, like, you know, I kind of made this thing up because... To this day, I swear, I mean, he was so convinced of the reality of this being that I, I, I don't know if I, you know, now that I think about it, I don't know if I would apologize because I feel like maybe that was, maybe that was kind of a gift, you know, to, to, to believe in this 
ghost being or something. I don't know. I I, I might feel, he, or he might punch me out for like lying to him for so long <laughs> about this thing. But he re- but he really he really believed it. Like I I think I met him when we were a little bit older, like maybe fifteen or sixteen, and he talked he's talked about it with me. He said, you know that that was real, right? And I couldn't bring myself to say, no, I kind of made that up. Sorry, <laughs> just pranking yeah. you there, pal. But it 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 really illustrated for me the fact that, like, you can create something, and whether or not it had any material, it had any not material, but it had any tangible uh, reality as like a thought form or something, or whether it was just in his head, it became real. Um, it it yeah. was it was real to him. It was real to other people. We had like a group of like four or five of us who would talk about our experiences with this ghost. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you sent me on that tangent <laughs> thinking about Keel and the Mothman and everything. Um, but thoughts are powerful things. And that, that was a huge lesson to me. It's made me very conscious about, about telling the truth <laughs> and, uh, and yeah. not not yeah. making up things to get out of hand, not letting stories get out of out of hand or out of control. It 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 taught me to be responsible, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, kids play make believe games, and and a, a, that seems to be how it started. Um. Mm-hmm. And there's enough there's enough anecdotal stories about kids you know having imaginary friends there's Mm -hmm. several books about it and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of kids who have you know experiences with uh you know non-physical entities Mm -hmm. or entities that they made up or but you know even if they made it up sometimes their family starts being able to to see them or see mm-hmm. effects that they've caused. Again, you know, what is that? Is that a kid like conjuring a being? Is it a kid giving a being a, a sort of easy wardrobe to put on, you know, an yeah, easy yeah. outfit, a body to wear, mm-hmm. and then it talks with the kid and then, you know, you sit there and you go, so what is that being and why does it have a motivation to talk mm-hmm. to the kid, mm-hmm. you know, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Right. What, see, and that's, you know, again, that's another part of magical life. You don't want to, you don't want to see weirdness everywhere because mm-hmm. then you're probably you're Psychosis, probably not maybe. doing well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Exactly. But at the exactly. same time, there's there are things that you see and you go, oh. Oh, I did see that. Kind of like your your lights, you know. It's like, oh, yeah. hey, yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw that. Well, yep. that's a yep. hmm. Yeah, yeah. and it, it makes you wonder. So, uh, yeah. I, I think it's it's important to always like stay grounded. If if mm-hmm. there's one bit of um, uh, advice, I guess I would give to people getting into magic, starting to practice magic is just keep your feet on the ground, keep a sense of skepticism. My role has always been when I'm doing magic, when I'm performing a ritual is to believe 
as fervently as possible in what I'm doing and what's happening. But then when evaluating it later is to be not overly skeptical, but just to not fall into like superstition. Like just be, just think of, look at things through a more skeptical lens when you're evaluating the results of the magic than Mm -hmm. when you're doing it. Like as the, as you know, Mathers from the Golden Dawn said, inflame yourself when you're doing the magic, like feel the fire, feel it, believe it. Yes. Let it go. And then when you're evaluating it, don't, don't go overboard and seeing the results of it everywhere or believing that you're this, you know, supremely powerful creature. Cause that leads, like you said, to some bad places. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the things that I, I do, if I am doing magic on purpose, as opposed to walking into it, mm-hmm. <laughs> oops. <laughs> Oop. Um, <laughs> Ah, oh, somebody conjured something and didn't put it back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hmm, nice. Uh, is I write it right after it's done. I write up what I did mm-hmm. and what happened. Mm-hmm. And then I come back days later and analyze it mm-hmm. and write it again. Mm-hmm. And that's great. that sometimes, looking at it from the skeptical side... A few days later, mm-hmm. it's easier. You're not as attached to those feelings, but always write it down right after it happens because you sometimes forget. Yep. And like then, a dream. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, then where are you? Mm-hmm. If you made a mistake, you don't want to do that again. And if you didn't, if it worked really well, you do want to do that again. But mm-hmm. if you forget it, then... But yes, I always try to... I mean, when I see things, and Mm -hmm. I'm one of those people who sees weird crap Mm -hmm. fairly often. Mm -hmm. When I see it, I'm like, "Is that a plane? Is that a is that a drone? Is that a is that a satellite? Nope, it's Mm -hmm. going in right angles. It's not a satellite. Okay, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know." And I go through the whole checklist, you know. And if there's somebody with me, I won't say shit Mm -hmm. until they notice it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to you know, inspire right. them to see what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. I want them to say, hey, you just see that weird light? It looks like it's spitting out other lights. You know? <laughs> yeah, I do see that. Is that what it looks like? Yeah, that's what it looks like. You know. That's a great reality check. I mean. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yep, and I this- have actually had a lot of sightings with other people around. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know if, you know, I'm kind of, I don't know, oozing stuff out like a, mm-hmm. like a come bother me light, you know, out mm-hmm. of the center of my forehead, blinking mm-hmm. like a lighthouse, and then stuff happens near me. Mm-hmm. Or if, well, my friend Kendra always said it was like, if you're there with people and if you're able to see stuff, sometimes maybe you're your goo, she called it goo, psychic mm-hmm. goo, mm-hmm. will cover them like an umbrella and yeah. then they can see what you see. And I was like, huh. Mm-hmm. And she said, and if you have two people who see stuff and they're really 
together, you know, they mm-hmm. really work well together, then mm-hmm. that's more goo and that's more people yeah. who can see yeah. stuff. Yeah. That makes sense. Makes total sense. Yeah. And she was very excited when I found out that uh, uh, Air Marshal Goddard said basically the same thing, but he didn't talk about goo. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> he talked about a psychic aura, uh-huh. which sounds more British and, and nice than, yeah. you know. <laughs> then go. Then slimy goo. Goo works. Yeah, goo works. Yeah, goo works. <laughs> well, is there anything else you want to throw out for for magic here? Oh, wow. Um, and you can always come back and talk more about magic. Yeah, wow. I feel like, you know, we've covered we've covered a lot of territory as folks like us tend to do when we start talking about this stuff. Um Yeah. Maybe it kind of, you know, circled and went in different directions and all that, but um no, I I I just encourage people to uh to try to live magically. Um I say just jump in. Don't be afraid. There's there's so many people that would stoke fear out there. Like it's, you know, by the time you're doing magic enough that you could do damage or, you know, bring something around that you don't want. I think you're not going to get there just by trying things, you know, experiment, play, um, just, you know, get a candle, make a... Some sort of intention for yourself, uh, find, you know, start working with tarot cards. I'm teaching people now how to use tarot as like a, um, a self-contained system of magic because I've been like putting that together for a long, long time, finally starting to put that out there. Um, but but just, just, you know, if you, if you want to try witchcraft, just try some witchcraft, you know, read some books. Mm-hmm. I think the easiest uh, the easiest entry to magic is like folk magic traditions. Mm-hmm. My my wife's grandmother used to light candles all the time and just she you know she was a Jewish lady, she just liked lighting candles when she wanted my wife to be safe when she was on a plane going somewhere, mm-hmm. just things like that. Just start incorporating small rituals into the things that you do. Um, look into folk magic traditions. The simplest magic is the most effective. It took me years to figure that out. That yeah. you don't you don't need all the tools and the special dagger and paint your cup with sigils and all that sort of thing. Like you could just get a piece of paper and write some stuff on it. You can use a playing card. You can just grab yep. a c- candle that's sitting around your house and set a mood for yourself and and just try to do stuff. So uh, I, I think people are a little intimidated by it. I think you don't have to be intimidated. Just jump in, get your feet wet, um, you know, and just try things. Just just be bold, experiment, have fun. If it's not fun, yeah. why why are you doing it? <laughs> yeah, that for real. Yeah. And you you can be Christian and do magic. Yeah, yeah. I, I because st- as you said, Western magical tradition is is Christian. Yeah, for real. I've got looking st- I've got my I've got the card from the Marseille tarot propped up here because I've been doing some tarot work lately. It's the Pope card. You know, yeah. it's, a pic- it's the freaking Pope. Um, yeah, you can, you know, 
Christians have been doing magic forever. They've been doing, um, you can be anything and do magic. You can yeah. just believe it's psychology. You can just, yes. you can just believe you're LARPing, you know, whatever, go for it. Just do it. Just ha have fun. See what happens. If it's useful, even if it's just useful, it makes you feel better. My God, I mean, like, we all need to feel better. <laughs> yes, with, yes. With the world burning up and falling apart around us. Yes. Um, Anything that makes you feel better is 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 good. It's it's valuable. And but I think magic does more than that. It can it can make us better people. It can make us more attached. The whole mass ritual that has been going on since two thousand you know, February of two thousand seventeen. I've had so many people reach out to me and go, This has kept me sane. You know, doing this ritual, I feel like I'm I'm lost. And I do this ritual, and I feel my power again. So, yeah. so that's that's what magic can do for us. It it can it can lift us up um, in, in so many different ways that I say, just do it, just just do it. However you do it, just do it, and see if you like it. And if you like yeah. it, do it some more, and then just do it some more. And before you know it, you've become. A magical person. It's just magical part, part of who you are. Exactamente. Oh, I also I will tell you that uh, I told uh, my therapist about the the Biden Trump mass uh -huh. ritual, uh -huh. and she got a copy of your book. Oh, awesome. to read, Thank you. Yeah. and then she started looking up the articles that it appeared in newspapers and magazines oh, nice. everywhere, and she was like, <laughs> "That's." Awesome. And I mean, <laughs> I have me a really so good happy. therapist. Uh, so I, you know, before I started doing this podcast, I, I said, okay, I gotta, I gotta like level with you. Um, <laughs> I see weird stuff like a lot and, you know, I described it and she was like, okay. And I was like, okay. She said, is your art inspired by some of that? I went, yeah. She goes, I wondered about that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And I said, so am I crazy? Um, and she said, no, you're, you're, you're functioning perfectly yeah. well. Um, you're not delusional. I don't think that what you see is delusional at all. Uh, so if you want to do the podcast, you, you can be assured that you are not going to be leading people into the crazy town. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> It'll be okay. <laughs> And I said, well, good. Okay, thank you. Thank you. And uh, so she hears about, you know, stuff I've, I've talked with, but she really liked that, you know, she said, even if it's not magic, mm -hmm. even if all it is is psychology, a psychological mm -hmm. method to make you, make you feel effective again, to make mm -hmm. you feel like you can function, that's, yeah. it's worth everything for that sure yeah catharsis that's the best thing she said now if you know we you guys actually managed to <laughs> help him go away that would be great yeah. hey so, it, it it works i go see her um <laughs> yeah so i go see her and she says hmm, he seems to be having some issues in court <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, he does, doesn't he? And that's the beautiful thing about magic. You could just take credit, right? You know, yeah, if it exactly. works. Hey, I can't explain how it worked, but hey, we had a goal. We accomplished that goal. Now, do we still have 
Oh, oh, it's just got this thing. It says, oh, it says, am I still here? Yeah, I just had to click on it. And it was going to dump us. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, magic, it, we had a goal. It worked. Do we still need to do more work? Yeah, I'd say probably. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, but you're right. It's, it's that to me has always been the primary goal is to help people maintain their power, their sanity, their they're just to realize just to just to be able to keep doing what we feel needs to be done like and and we all need to recharge our batteries we all need to recommit mm-hmm. ourselves to things and ritual is just the most effective way to do that it's not you know re-signing up for uh you know t- to donate to a candidate or st- all that's super important but ritual when we do a ritual when we recommit ourselves to something nothing is has that kind of power nothing yeah. has that kind of power yeah it's a very strong strong means of contributing to the world Yes. Even if it's catharsis, we all need catharsis. Everybody needed catharsis. Yeah. <laughs> like, seriously. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much. Oh, thank you. This is this has been wide-ranging fun. The perfect, Excellent. Perfect kind of conversation. Excellent. Well, thank you. And again, you're always welcome to come back. If you have something you want to talk about, like your, your tarot as a fully realized magical system let me know right glad on. to have you I, I would i would love to it's the four it's the it's what i'm so into right now so <laughs> it's at the, the top of your head it's so. right there yeah right there right there well that's all for this week's episode of the six degrees of john keel podcast If you have any questions or thoughts about the podcast or would like to come and talk about your experiences of the paranormal, you can contact us at 6djk67 at gmail.com. We promise to even answer you, and we are always happy to hear from you. Thank you. (laughs) 